Welcome to Black Chick Lit. I'm Danny. And I'm Molly. And this week, month, I don't know, we, we've read a lot this time. This month we did a romance. <laughs> we read uh-huh. An Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole. And I'm super excited because this is Molly's first romance. Mm-hmm. I think maybe. Is it like actually? Not actually. <laughs> like you've read like Pride and Prejudice and you've read like. Yeah, I've read Pride and Prejudice and I've read a couple like of the really pulpy kind of paperbacks. Yeah, um, but things. this. Yeah, this this like kind of um, like really polished romance. And I don't know, would you, like, what would you consider Outlander? Is that a romance? Um, I think it is, but it also feels sort of more like drama, advent- it feels more like a drama adventure with a romance. I haven't finished that one, so I don't know it exactly, but from what I can tell, it feels sort of more like an adventure that has a lot of romance in it. Like, the romance doesn't seem the main focus of the story. I see. Yeah, right? I would say that. That's fair. I could, I could see that. I mean, both had, like, Scottish dudes in it. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Are, like, Scot- Scottish guys, like, a big a big part of romance? Um, there is, like, an entire... So, I read a lot of historical romances, and there are big, like, Regency, where it takes place either in Scotland with, like, clans and stuff, or they take place in, like, England with dukes and titled people and all that stuff. Depends what your preference is. that's the only reason i know like the period like british peerage i know who that's the only reason i know like who is superior to whom is because i I read a lot of romances i think it's like i think it's duke marquess viscount earl baron i think I, I don't know. I have to double check that. But yeah. So it just depends. I read mostly historical stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of. Okay. What what time period do you mostly read in? I prefer American like historicals, which is really hard if you also like reading things with black people in it. Right? Like I, I, I will say about this that I really like the the concept of it. Yeah. Because I don't know that I'd, I'd heard about this kind of setup before. Yeah. So I like reading if. Barring that, I, like, read a lot of westerns because they're less, like, stuffy. Uh, so, but I, I'll read some Regencies. There's a really good series by Courtney Milan called, um, like, it's, like, the Brothers Sinister series. And it takes uh-huh. place in, like, Regency England. But it deals with a lot of modern topics, like abortion huh. and feminism and racism and all that stuff. So, there's some good ones out there. You just, you gotta be open to them. So. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so we got a little ahead of ourselves. But yeah, we're doing romance this one. And uh-huh. I think we've been doing genre. So I think this was a natural transition. Progression. Yeah, yeah I think so. So we're going to have to read a mystery. I re- we're going to have to read a mystery at some point. Because I don't think Ooh. I've legitimately ever read an honest mystery. Ah. Then the ball will be back in Molly's court. <laughs> <laughs> it will be. Because I went to Book Riot Live last year, and I met Walter Mosley, and I bought one of his books, and it's like, I'm going to have to read this. Because I was like, I don't think I've ever read, like, a straight mystery. Yeah, I read some John Grisham. I don't think that counts. Yeah, yeah, I would think that counts. Uh, If it was a mystery one. I I read, like, A Time to Kill and stuff. I think I read, like, we already know who did the murder. Now it's the courtroom. (laughs) The courtroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think those are, like, just, I think they just call those courtroom dramas. Yeah. And then he, yeah, court dramas. And then he tried to write that really tragic Christmas story, and I don't know what happened to John Grisham after that. 
I'm not very familiar with John Grisham, to be honest. I, I don't know that I've ever read any of his books. I read A Time to Kill, which I think is the biggest one. It was made into that movie with Samuel L. Jackson. Oh. And Matthew McConaughey, where um, oh, it's like... I know what you're talking yeah. about. So there's a lot of race in that one. And I think... And I read Skipping Christmas, which was terrible. And that got me <laughs> to a movie called Christmas with the Cranks. Really? Yeah, it was not good. He, oh. he should stick to the law room stuff. Because like, <laughs> I'll give t- Time to Kill was pretty good. At least it's high school me thought it was pretty good. So... But yeah, so romance is pretty big moneymaker. I say, um, so I found some numbers that apparently it's like 1.8 billion in sales in 2013. Wow. And it's 38% of the fiction market. I also read, this is off the outline, that, um, you know, Scribed, or maybe it was Scribner, whatever. It's one of those like subscription book services. They're trying to be like the Netflix of books. Mm. They had to re, they had to start putting restrictions on because romance readers were costing them too much money and they were going broke. Really? <laughs> because I guess they paid for licensing per title. And so uh-huh. the readers were reading so many titles at such a fast rate that they had to pay so many fees <laughs> that their model was like, their business plan was getting messed up. So they had to like start limiting to like a certain number of titles per month. Really? <laughs> like y'all are breaking businesses. That is hilarious. Romance readers are out here. Making people go bankrupt. They don't, they don't care about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. So, um, and, um, so let's get to the book, I guess. So we've, I don't have anything else to say about romance other than that. Actually, I could say a lot of things, but I want to. I feel like you have so much to say. <laughs> but I, one, don't want to look like a complete nerd, which is maybe too late. No, I really, so I want to hear your, what is it? Oh. Words that shouldn't be in a sex scene. And your um, your uh, four tenets. What I is have it? Four requirements for a satisfying romance. <laughs> do you want to do the um, the synopsis and then go into your four requirements to see if this book fits it? Sure. So I wrote up a synopsis. We haven't I haven't written a synopsis in a while. I realized the other time, like we completely skipped it on the Kindred episode, presumably because I assumed everybody already knew what the story was about. <laughs> So, all right, so we will get into it. So this is by, again, An Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole. I think, I think, I am not positive, I think this is her first full-length historical romance novel. I think it is. I think she says that in the, um, in her author's note. Yeah. She's written some contemporary YA, she's written a contemporary YA series, and she's written some novellas that I've read a couple of. Um, I haven't read her most recent one, the one that's been nominated for the Romance Award, because when I get an anthology, I feel inclined to read it in order, so I haven't gotten there yet. Really? It's, I don't know why. Intellectually, I know I could skip around, but I just, it's like, I have this book, I'm going to read the whole thing. So, it's weird. But yes, so, <laughs> this is our first story, and so I will get into the synopsis. So, Elle, a black, woman, a black woman with a photographic memory, is posing as a slave in Richmond, Virginia when she meets Malcolm McCall, a Pinkerton detective posing as a Confederate soldier. Malcolm, who is cozying up to a senator and his daughter, whom Elle works for, is pretty smitten for, with Elle right off, but, knowing, but Elle, knowing who will bear the brunt of any punishment should they be caught, is reluctant. Together, the two conspire to prevent the South from building and launching a battleship salvaged from the bottom of the ocean. This takes place during the Civil War. I feel like I completely forgot to mention that fact. <laughs> when, when Malcolm refuses to give the senators... Later in the novel, when Malcolm refuses to give in to the senator's daughter's seductions, she falsely accuses him of forcing himself on her and gets his cover blown. Under the cover of a house fire, Elle helps Malcolm escape, along with a few other house slaves. However, as they board a ship that will take him to the north, Malcolm is mistaken for a true rebel soldier. He is shot and falls overboard. 
But as this is a romance and a happy later after is guaranteed, he's pulled from the water, is somehow still alive, and he and Elle marry. Um, also, there's a lot of sex. I didn't know how to insert that plot point in there. <laughs> there's a lot happening in this book, so... Also, they do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot happening, so I wanted to get, like, the actual plot of the story, and then we could deal with the relationship stuff. So, we have a black woman who is posing as a slave, who is part of this organization called the Loyal League, which I believe is inspired by a real-life organization whose name I did not get, and I should have, because that would have been proper research. She's basically... She's posing as a mute slave, too, so she doesn't talk to sort of, like, do some social listening on the senator and his family to feed information back to the North. And Malcolm is a Pinkerton, like a Pinkerton detective, which I didn't know much about before reading this. I didn't know there was an actual man named Pinkerton who is also doing some sort of counterintelligence for the North. And they come upon this plot to rebuild this boat and they've decided they've got to stop it because it's implied that if the South gets the boat, they'll reopen their blocked supply lines, get more money, get more guns, and it could turn the tide of the war. So mm-hmm. that, like, when I read that synopsis, it seems really short. But that's pretty much the plot. There's a lot of other stuff that happens in there. So I would like, before we get to my four requirements, <laughs> I would like to get your reaction. Because, like, the whole time I was reading it, I was like, I wonder what Molly thinks of this. I wonder what Molly thinks of this. <laughs> to this so like, I gotta know cause okay so I thought it was interesting <laughs> I don't think that romance is my preferred genre um, because a lot of the times that I think I said this to you I was like why don't they just do it and then get back to the spy stuff like, I think you said it was, like, the um, unresolved tension or something. That's the whole point of the book, Molly. But that, yeah, I was like, just just do it and then go be cool spies. Like, I don't, I, I think that it wasn't the um, sex that bothered me. I actually thought that it was a little bit tame. <laughs> <laughs> But the romance part was actually what kind of was harder for me to get through. Like, every time he was, like, touching her hair, she was thinking about his smile, you know, they were laying down. I was like, you guys are spies! Get back to the spying! So I know that that, you know, this is, first and foremost, a romance so um, that's going to be the core of it. But I think that, I don't know, maybe I'm like just a shallow, hate-filled person. <laughs> a robot. But I was like, all this emotion, I don't know what to do with this. Like, they keep saying, oh, I love you. I think they I'll only, protect you. I think they only said I Go love ahead. you once. To be- <laughs> <laughs> it felt like many times. And can I say that Malcolm... I don't feel like it was that great of a spy. Everyone kept saying how great he was, but like he was like, he falls for someone the very second he sees her. And since they, after that point, he can't think or do anything else. Yeah. But that, like, you that's know, what comes with the drama. It's like, I guess so. Like, a- like Ella's out here working, like putting in the work. And Malcolm is like, la-di-da. He's like a teenager, like, sitting home with his journal. Like, he's supposed to be doing his homework, but he's like, I wonder what Elle's up to right now. <laughs> I have two theories for this. Or actually, I have uh-huh. two explanations. One, I think, yeah, the romance is kind of sudden, but it's like, if you read a mystery and they waited till like, page 120 for someone to die, 
It's like, that's what you're there for. So I get the kind of, like, insta... It wasn't as insta-romance as some things could be. I've read some where it's like, you all have talked to each other for five minutes. I need you to stop with the, <laughs> the exclamations of love. And I also think that he might sort of be a reaction to... There is a movement in, like, romance that, like for, called, like, the beta hero, where he's not so, like, cold. Because that used to be the trend in, like, the 80s and the 90s. You have, like, this alpha hero who was, like swing the woman up by her over his shoulder and take her away and be like super like testosterone and I think people got kind of like sick of that so then in response some of the heroes are starting and I don't know if this is for sure this is my theory some heroes have been written to be a little bit more sensitive not sensitive but like less stereotypically may I don't know I don't know where I'm going with this but no I can I can see it he was definitely like in touch with his feelings and he would have been like a really good boyfriend like he was like at some point I just want to make you all your favorite foods until you're just like stuffed and sleepy and I was like now you sound like Frank (laughs) (laughs) it was definitely like a very sweet and I think everyone like I didn't hate it I didn't think it was like poorly written I actually think it was very well put together but I just think that this the the romance of a romance novel was too much for my cold, ice-encrusted heart. So the soul-selling point of a romance <laughs> novel you were not here for. No, I wanted them to be spies. And I thought, I thought this one did a pretty good job, because I've read some where it's like the romance is so, so, like, so at the like forefront, and then they, like, at the end, will try to throw in, like, some kind of murder plot. I was like, well, you introduced that entirely too late. <laughs> I was reading one where, like, it was like this. They were traveling to find her sister who had gotten abducted, which uh-huh. was a perfectly fine plot. And then I guess the author at some point decided that they needed more plot. So someone ended up dead. And this is literally, like, page 240 of a 360-page book. <gasps> they decide, like, now we have to solve this murder mystery. So I, I thought she did a pretty good job of balancing, like, plot plot in like romance yes i i agree yeah. I, but i think it's just my bias saying get rid of all romance. the romance go to l being like this super cool perfect memory spy like taken down the cell she was a really great heroine she had a whole bunch of lines that i sort of like highlighted because i was like yep and i think somebody called a Susie at one point a griddle cake behind something and i'm like that's, that's <laughs> i loved it um, so before I guess we go into, I will tell you, since I am like the opposite and I like live for this stupid stuff. I, no, it's not stupid. I have four requirements of a satisfying romance and I discovered this because I read one that did not satisfy any of them and everybody was running around talking about it like he was the greatest. I'll go ahead and say names. It was, um, so I've read like all the popular YA titles, which, well, most of the popular YA titles, which is why like, I don't get YA and Rainbow Roel want one called Carry On and it was supposed mm-hmm. to be like. It's really complicated. She wrote this book earlier called Fangirl, where the girl wrote a lot of fan fiction as a way to cope with, like, her mother missing, being gone and her father having depression. So she wrote fan fiction and all this other stuff, and it was her escape. And she wrote, like, this parody of Harry and... What's his name? Draco? Um, oh, from... Um, from Harry Potter. Harry yes, Potter. but she made, like... The, the author had to make up two new, like... I guess copyright runs. So there's clearly supposed to be though, like Harry and Draco. And then I guess at one point the author decided to like, she wanted to write their story in real life. So she completely released this book with the two of them. And it was supposed to be like this romance and it was not well done because it did not have, and I pinned it down what liked it. And I'm like, Hey, this is my list of four things it must have. So number one, it must have good, strong characters 
and they also must be present because one thing this book did the bad book not the one we're currently reading one of the member of the couple was like absent for the first third of the book like absent emotionally or just like, wasn't he, he around. was missing and everyone's like hey where is that guy you're like i don't know he's missing he hasn't shown up all semester and i'm like what this is one of your leads right he can't just be gone so they have to be strong characters and there's also in romance some tropes that get really irritating that i don't like um one is like too stupid to live so like when the <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making any of this up and it usually applies to women like when the female character is so dumb that she keeps finding herself in situations that should have killed her by now which happens more than it should um it's also you don't want a character like you don't want a male character who's an asshole who doesn't deserve so everyone should be well developed and they should deserve each other second there has to be conflict this conflict has to be secondary to like the conflict of the story so i don't mean like in this story where we had the the whole ship there has to be a conflict in the romance so basically the societal stuff because this came about because i read nora roberts bride quartet series and that is just a series of books where people successfully date and it is the most (laughs) it is the most boring like they're fun books and i read them but i'm like there's no conflict. They meet each other. They like each other. They date. They have sex. They get married. And I'm like, okay. Huh. I mean, that's great for you. Really bad for me because there's nothing happening in the story. So that's where that came from. So there has to be something in the romance. There's a conflict in the romance that they either like overcome. Well, I guess they have to overcome. Otherwise, they break up and it's not a romance. That they overcome. Second is the thing you hate was the emotion slash chemistry slash tension. So I like that stuff. I like when they do the back and forth and admit how much they like each other or when one of them likes one more than the other and you know in the end that the other one's gonna like them like I knew reading this story the whole time she was sitting there talking about his stupid face I was like oh but you're gonna love that stupid face <laughs> so it's like really satisfying and then last lastly is it has to end it has to have a happily ever after so they have to end up together this one is actually like I think in reader so I retweeted a little thread on our Twitter the other day and it was basically how people want to get into romance because of the money, but they want to like do a different take on it. So they write romances that don't have happy endings. And it's uh, pretty, I saw that. Yeah, and it's pretty much agreed upon by readers that if you do not have a story where the couple ends up together happily ever after, it's not a romance. I think this also came up. Do you remember that me before you book? Like, uh, I, I, I can picture the cover. Yeah, there was some minor spoiler alerts, I guess, for me before you, but I think in that book, it, this book sounds insulting all around. Basically it's, um, the man or maybe the woman, someone in the couple, I don't know if it's the man or the woman is paraplegic. And so uh-huh. they decide to commit suicide and they do. And it's like sort of cel- like, cause he can't stand being a paraplegic and they do. And like, that's sort of celebrated as like the love story. Oh. First of all, that's uh-huh. super insulting. Yeah, I'm gonna let me double check that before I go. But um, I believe that's the story. Is like one of them is in a wheelchair. They decide to commit suicide because I don't think they were born in a wheelchair. They recently paralyzed man. So she's the caregiver. He's a recently paralyzed man, and he decides to commit suicide because I don't think he can live. He doesn't think he can live because he can't be in a wheelchair. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. This story, like this movie and the book, got a lot of flack because of that whole Ooh. that whole concept. So. Um, and then it's also not a romance because he dies at the end. So you can't die and still be a romance. It's not a happily ever after. (laughs) So, so that's it. Those are my four requirements. If it has those four things, it satisfies it. And I think this one did pretty good. Like all the stuff was there for me. So I, I yeah, yeah, I I can see that. I really like this one. So what do you want to, do you want to start with the characters first since we did talk on that? Cause I kind of, 
you sort of touched on Elle, and I thought she was really great. She was somebody in Goodreads used the word thorny to describe her, and I thought that was pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, she, uh, you know, she's a black woman in slavery days <laughs> and a spy, and you know, has perfect memory. Like, who is going to? You know, maybe she has a reason to not be super happy and smiley all the mm-hmm. time. She reminded me of Dana. Like, she was just, I don't know what it was. I think it was the way she was talking and the way she kept cutting him down every time he said something <laughs> dumb. <laughs> it just reminded me of Dana, like, trying to, every time she yelled at Rufus. So it was just a really... I could see that. I also appreciate it when she said he had a, what did he, he had a thimble full of scents and he got all hurt. <laughs> Yeah, she was constantly, like, hurting his feelings. <laughs> but I was like, it was pretty great. So, um, he was okay, too. I liked him, too, even though he he was, like, very... I think you have to go with, like, some element of fantasy is that he was very in touch with his feelings and maybe more enlightened than a man of that era would have been. Yeah, he was like, he was like, I love everyone. I do like that she took the time to say that he had to have a conversion from just thinking about slavery as like this institution to thinking about it as something that affected individuals Mm -hmm. and that if he really was going to say that he didn't think slavery was right that meant that he had to see black people as fully human Mm -hmm. and I think that that's probably something that I know at the time like a lot of abolitionists and even Lincoln were like well slavery is bad but I don't really care about black I'm not really here for these black people um and I think even how we talk about and how slavery is taught nowadays it's like oh yeah slavery was it was bad yeah it was bad but we don't really think about you know the slaves largely the slaves exactly they're not really the center of their own narrative so I like that he did have that that uh conversion yeah I think like he did have a lot of moments where he sort of had to check himself and I appreciate that she included those and that she checked him and I appreciated that she included those because it did help it feel a little more grounded in some reality and that they were at least aware of how hard it was like even if he's all into her and all that other stuff it was acknowledged that that's not the norm so yeah and they still had like a bunch of hurdles to cross i think at the end she says and that author's note like she's talking about how can you give this a happy ending like knowing knowing the history of it um so i like you know they end up together but it's not like this oh they fly off in a car into the sky (laughs) kind of ending (laughs) That's a completely different take on, like, a completely different genre. So, I really liked the interactions between her and him when, when like, they were in secret. Like, I thought that moment where he's telling the poem to the little spoiled senator's daughter, I thought that was Uh a really sweet moment. So, I'm trying to think, I can't, I'm trying to think of something that, to analyze, but I think I'd have to lean on you because I guess I've already read it and I'm so entrenched in the genre that uh-huh. it's hard for me to examine it as an outsider. So, so I'm like waiting for you to ask more questions. Um, okay, we can just cut to the sex scenes if you want because before... <laughs> I was sitting here thinking... Because I mean, that's the next big thing is like, oh yeah, there's a lot of sex in this book. And it's a bit more explicit than I remembered it being, but I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess that's fine. Wait, what do you mean that you remembered it? Because I read it. I read it once in November, 
and then we did it. Oh, so you had already read this. Yeah, and then we did, because uh, this was the one I got as the the advanced reader copy, because I, uh, I went to Book Riot Live. This is the one. Ah, uh, right. That's why right. I picked it, because I thought this would be a good one for you to have as a first. I didn't want to give you one I hadn't read yet. Because <laughs> like, okay. like, if it wasn't, if I didn't like it, I'd be like, no, I don't want you reading that one. <laughs> I feel right now, like right now, it's like you know when you really love something and you want to share it with a friend, <laughs> and you're like waiting to see how they're gonna react because you're like anxious. <laughs> like I'm totally feeling that. And I just say, like, I think that she put a lot of thought into this first one, and I'm really glad that she picked this because overall, I did like it. There's a there's a lot to like in this book. Um, but I just, I don't know that romance is for and me. That's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And that's also why I sort of like historical romances, because you, there is a lot to get into. I don't like contemporary romances, because then it's just like the romance. At least with historicals, there is some of the history lesson, and some of the history being discussed in it, and some of that other stuff. Which mm. is not to say that contemporaries are shallow. I just don't read enough of them. Is there is there a series or a contemporary romance that you do like? Uh, that you can point to of you know being a good example um uh, i'd have to i don't know i read let me look at my goodreads i read so few contemporaries uh-huh like the last one i read was the nora roberts and it was that bride quartet one and that was the one mm. where like there was no conflict it was just four privileged women who ran their own business as a bridal agency and everything was really great and easy for them and then they started dating yeah, and I don't think I could bring myself to care about any of that. <laughs> so yeah, and like, and it was fun if you like wedding talk, I guess. Like, if you just like reading about weddings and stuff. But other than that, hmm, I'm trying to find. <laughs> oh, there was one I read. It's not a series, but there is a title I read by. Where did it go? It was on my little list by K- like Karen Langhorn, and so it was called Diaries mm-hmm. of an Ugly Duckling. It was kind of weird though because basically in this one she is this she's this um. So, so I, I get books that try to, I don't know where I'm going with this. She, it's trying to deal with another topic of like body image and stuff. So in this book, this woman okay. wins a chance to go on an extreme makeover show because she thinks it'll make the man she likes like her back. And so she Aww. goes on this show and she like works out and she gets like even skin lightening. I think at one point she goes with like skin bleaching to make mm-hmm. her darker skin a little less dark. And then at the end, I think he's like, it comes out that he liked her just the way she was before. He, Of course he does, because we're going for a happy ending here. And I think she, uh-huh. at some point, she gives up the actual surgery part. Like, there was a surgery she was supposed to undergo, and she doesn't do it. And they end up together. And it's really sweet. It's not a series, but I liked that one. That one was pretty good. So, yeah. yeah. Diary of an Ugly Duckling, Karen Langhorn. And she, wrote, she writes some other books that I haven't read yet, but I'm pretty sure they're equally as good. But, yeah. So let's get, we never did, we got on the sex and then we got off of it. <laughs> we did. I, okay, so, you, oh, go I want to know your, was that what caused that gif on Twitter? <laughs> um, I think it was, to be honest, it was more the romance part I, that caused that gif. I love it. I thought, like, the sex would be weird to you, but it's the feelings. Yeah, because really, like, you know, there's a very long period at the beginning of the book. And let me just stop right here and say something. So the other day, my dad, I called him and he was like, oh, Molly, your mother's telling me things about this podcast. (laughs) He was like, send me something so I can listen to it. So I'm going to send him a link to the episode we do after this episode and pretend like it never happened. happened. We can make that happen. (laughs) 
so, um, uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a long, um, it's not that long, um, a few chapters, um, at the beginning of the book between when Elle realizes that Malcolm is a spy and she starts to have feelings for him and before they actually, like, uh, have sex. And I, the whole time I was like, girl, just fuck him. (laughs) Like, scratch that itch and then get back to it. Like, she was, like, so conflicted and she was so torn up about it and she was being so distracted. And to me, to my mind, I was like, it would make more sense for you just to sleep with this guy, get it out of your system, and then move on with your mission. I think she was hesitant to even be in that position because of their positions in society. That's what I sort right. of got to do. She didn't want anything really to do with him, but he was just always sort of there. She would have rather yeah. just forgotten him, period. I like your very, yeah, and she your had- very practical response. <laughs> she had a lot of, like... And I think that that's where I, like, really... That's where the genius in this book is. She has so many good extremely valid reasons not to trust Malcolm but then at the same time it makes Malcolm into like this super boyfriend <laughs> like he couldn't have been like the more what did you say like on Twitter you said this white man's working so hard <laughs> and like you know it couldn't have been a more perfect guy for her to break this uh you know at the time taboo with yeah I also think it's because this is another thing that shows up in historicals, like, it's also the time period. So I don't think maybe just having a, like, sleeping with him and being done may not have been considered a viable option either. Yeah, probably. And I mean, they work together, too. Like, <laughs> purposes, so it would have been awkward. So yeah, but I, I've read some of the regencies where, like, if they're even caught alone in the same room, it's like, well, now we have to get married <laughs> because <they're, laughs> really, yeah. what is a regency? It's like, I think a regency takes place. It usually takes place in England during the it's, is it the Edwardian or the Victorian Victorian period regency era? But it's basically yeah, Great Britain during when King George the Third, according to Wikipedia, was deemed unfit to rule in his proxy in his son rule as proxy as Prince Regent. So it's, um, oh, okay. it looks like it's between 1795 to 1837. So it's like, uh, basically, we already know, like, sort of like, it was kind of uptight pre-Victorian anyway. So, because the Victorian era, I think, came after it. And, like, it's, the Victorian era was historically uptight. So mm-hmm. it's just like, even if they were implied that something improper happened in order to, there's a lot of talk of reputations when you read Regencies. Like, a woman has to protect her reputation, otherwise she could be ruined and she can't get married, and then she's pretty much destitute. So I think I see. the reason our other main character... Also, romance generally doesn't like emotionless sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're doing it because of the feels. So, But yeah, so I can see how that wasn't an option. I do think she... I think... I don't know. I He... It was really interesting seeing him trying to win her over because... I didn't want to root for I didn't want to like root for her him to not succeed but like she was right like she had all these little great speeches that I really like kind of loved like when she pulled out the scarlet letter and she was oh, like yeah. so yeah say I do say we do start something and it falls apart who do you think's the one who's going to suffer for it me or you and he like sure he's pretty he's kind of I think maybe really naive to her life to the life she really she leads obviously 
Yeah, I think so. I, I do like that they had kind of this shared, like, you know, that they said, oh, yeah, you know, as a Scottish person who was forced off his land, um, you know, he's not completely ignorant of oppression. Yeah. That uh, kind of gave him the background for, and maybe was a connection between the two of them. And maybe that's why he was more amenable to that, yeah. that change in perspective. Like, if it was just an American guy who maybe <laughs> never went through that, he would have been like, well, aren't you happy? You're free now. <laughs> Welcome to um, Restoration. Oh, gosh, yeah. And I, that was interesting because I didn't know about that history with the, um, I sound really angry now, about the English driving out the Scottish and, like, how violent it was. So that was interesting. I want to kind of talk about some of the side characters if you don't mind. You didn't want to say anything else about the sex? Well, I wanted to know, like, <laughs> I wanted to know, did you pull any of those things from, I do want to talk about, like, words that work and words that don't. And this one, I think. Yes, that's what I want to hear. This one, I think, did a pretty good job. Before I read this one, I read another one where a woman's breast was called a pillow-shaped mound. Ruined the entire scene. I think. I hate that. The language of a sex scene is, like, basically what makes it good or not. I generally never find them sexy because I'm generally doing three or four different things while listening to these things. <laughs> so I'm, like, never in the mood. Like, I think I was reading Bruno Mars most of the time while I was listening to Bruno Mars while reading a lot of this. But I think they were good, and I think she did a good job of, like, having them interact out, like, duh, they're interacting, but having them talk to each other during the scenes to sort of, like, there are little moments of, like, levity during it to make it not so hot and steamy and so and make it feel just like more I guess I'm trying to think of the right word less like erotica more like an actual romance because there was that connection in the emotional level compared to this could be us but you plan which was the (laughs) grossest sex scene I've ever heard described because body parts are described completely like like using the most vulgar terms ever so I think it's it's, there's an art to writing a good sex scene. I think she handled it pretty well. She didn't use, like, overly vulnerable terms. I think it's, like, what, cock and... Mound was kind of weird, but, I mean, I get it. What else are you going to use? I can't think of anything. Yeah. But, um, and, like, there was a lot more emphasis on the emotion, and there was a lot of emphasis yeah. on sensations, which I think is the point, as opposed to... <laughs> I believe... Yeah, that. as opposed to... He I... picked me up in the shower and held me upside down. And then... Gymnastics. I was like, that sounds tiring. <laughs> that sounds really uncomfortable so it sounds like a, a fall hazard is what it does so so yeah i like it's like pornography like i can't i can't name it but i can when i i can what's the saying go like i don't i can't define it but i know it when i read it and it's like this was done pretty well and so the language uh-huh. is right on and i think it's a thin line because if you use some goofy words or if you try to be poetic and use some weird like like analogy <laughs> or simile, simile it goes it goes whack really fast <laughs> so um i will say though i could not listen i did the audible too i could not listen to the narrator read the sex scenes it was just awkward oh really i couldn't listen to the the audible was mostly good except every time she tried to do malcolm's voice she ended up sounding jamaican yeah the accent was a little <laughs> bit weird because she kept saying oh he has this heavy scottish accent he has this heavy scottish accent i was like i don't hear it yeah, like, you sound like you're from the caribbean ma'am i appreciate you reading the story yeah so yeah, i liked her i liked her l voice a lot yeah and her because every voice. time l or Susie voice yeah <laughs> Every time she called someone a fool, I was, like, just falling out of my chair laughing because she was like, what's wrong, fool? <laughs> I was like, damn. Calm down, Elle. Don't hurt him. Don't 
heard of. Yeah, she was pretty good. I just, I generally can't though. I cannot listen to narrators do the opposite sex. It generally just sort of takes me out. Also, when, yeah. when I read it, like there were moment times where I would like have a different inflection or I would read the line differently and then she would read it and I'm like, uh, that's not how I pictured yeah. them saying it. So yeah, there were a lot of points where like she would say something really forcefully and then she would be like, "L whispered." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like huh? yeah. So so yeah, I mean, I. I like having the Audible. That's how I was able to listen to a lot of the time. And I found that I like Audible a lot more when I've read the book. So this is a much better listen compared to Swing Time when I was constantly disoriented. (laughs) So, but yeah, just, and she also sounds really, she sounded really Jamaican, except for sounding really Jamaican when she did Malcolm's voice. It was pretty good. But I mean, that's a challenge to pretend to be a Scottish man pretending to be a Southern man. Like, I don't even know yeah. what that sound like. So, I mean, she yeah. did better than I would have. Yeah, she did, like, loads better. It would have been, like, I have been, like, and then Malcolm said, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it was pretty good. But I think, did you have any other <laughs> thoughts about, you were fine with the sex scenes at Peter's. I don't know, I thought that would be the thing that'd ick you out, but it wasn't. It was the feels. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> In this episode, I, I we the- learned that Molly <laughs> Molly has no romance. Yeah, it just really, like, I would listen to, to be so honest with you, I would, like, read the sex scene, and I would kind of skip over, like, the aftermath until they got back to the spying. Like, the whole romance cuddling stuff? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Molly. You're killing me. <laughs> That's, like, the sweetest hey, part. I know, I know. That's the point of a romance book. I know because it's called romance, like not sexing. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a really long sext. Yeah, <laughs> I am like the biggest hopeless romance, like happy ever after, small sheet, warm feels. Like I was listening to our last bonus oh. episodes where I was describing how I was reading bad romances and called them smuts, and then I went back and looked uh-huh. them. Like none of them are really smutty; they're just really schmulpy. <laughs> so it's like I love all that stuff and I really love it when people suffer so this one was pretty good for me too you love it when people suffer I love it when like like I really love the fact that he was all hurt that she was rebuffing him because you know how it's gonna end so as long as everything yeah. ends happy it's fine I really love it like when he was hurt because she kept rebuffing him because it's like oh no will he make you he will and I really loved it like when he got like shot and it's like, oh, she thinks he's dead. Or he thinks she's, whatever, pronouns. She thinks he's dead. And it's like, you know he's not. And so, like, there's suffering. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, I love all that stuff. I see. I'm, no, I get I'm, it. I can I'm see like it. I'm like a soft, bleeding heart for that kind of stuff, so. Do you like, like, rom-coms and stuff? I do, for the most part. See, and I can't stand them. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, what's like my favorite? There are a lot of contemporary, like, well, my favorite movie at the moment is Belle. Which is historical. I'm trying to think of like a one I really like that's like I like Love and Basketball. Oh well, Love and Basketball is Love and Basketball. Like, <laughs> everybody loves Love and Basketball. You know what I haven't seen that I apparently need to Love Jones. I don't think I've seen that either. I don't think either of us seen it because I think it was super popular when we were too young to see it. Oh, uh, like the musical came to St. Louis. Like, there's a musical. There's Love Jones the musical. And it came to St. Louis, and some of my friends were trying to get tickets. And like, everyone was like, "You haven't seen Love Jones?" I was like, "I'm sorry." I know. I was it like, "Sounds so familiar," but yeah, because it was really. Popular. I was like, "I'm sorry." I was like six when it came out. I was not <laughs> taken to the screening of Love Jones. It's like I was watching Space Jam. <laughs> you want to talk about Space Jam? Then 
But any of the animated Disney canon, I got you. But um, uh, yeah, I'm trying know? to think of a rom com now. I don't know. I just really like I like romantic tension and I like happy endings. So like that's my oh thing. yeah. And I I think the last rom com I watched was that leap year. And I was just, like, so over it the whole time. I was like, just get out of Uber. Like, what are you doing? This is really fascinating to me because I'm trying to figure out. I don't know. It's just really interesting. I mean, I get everybody likes what they like. And it's just I can't describe why I like it. I just do. And I know you can't describe really probably why you don't. You just don't. So it's just really fascinating. Yeah. I think it's all just different takes because I think in the last episode or in the bonus episode, you were saying, oh, I don't like fantasy. I don't like fantasy. And (laughs) just recently I was watching, I watched like an hour of like uh, Song of Ice and Fire, like predictions of what's going to happen if Frank came out. And I was like, well, very obviously Tyrion is the third head of the dragon and he's going to get, and Frank was like, okay. I'm going to leave the room now. Yeah, so, you know, to each their own, I think. Like, we were kind of talking about this on Twitter, too, like, to read what makes you happy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like you have to... What's that? I just keep thinking about that comment I got. What comment? Do you remember when I wrote that? So I wrote, like, I wrote, we had a blog for, like, a very brief period of time that is now, like, no longer regularly updated. But I wrote this post about, like, why I would not read Underground Airlines. And this woman mm-hmm. goes, and she's like... Well, according to your bio, you read Harlequin novels, so surely if you have time to read those, you have time to read this. I, I sort of, like, gave that woman the the rundown, and I was like, look, yeah. Harlequin novels may be sort of light and fluffy, and I think romances get this mainly because they're mostly, like, mostly women like them, and they're mostly women written and all that other stuff. But at least romance is not, like, Harlequin knows how to stay in their lane. Harlequin is not trying to write a series about the black experience from the perspective, <laughs> like, on how the, like, from the perspective of a white protagonist. Like, they know what they write, and they write it, and that's all they do. This... Yeah, like, why hate on Harlequin? Yeah, and you can read Harlequin and read, lit, like, highbrow, quote-unquote, literature. You can read romance and still read, like, you don't have to read one or the other. Right. And people act like it's that way, and that kind of irks yeah. me. Yeah. It's like, just read. Yeah. So... Oh, okay. I do want to get back to the plot, because I had a question. So, okay. the Dicks guy, that, that's a very unfortunate name after what you thought I said pre-recording. <laughs> uh, I thought he was going to be a double agent, and then he wasn't, and I felt like, I felt betrayed. <laughs> Didn't he seem like he was suspiciously considerate? Yeah, he was like, uh, oh, you know, give her a ride. And he was like, oh, get her a shot of brandy, yeah. you know, help her calm down. And I was like... As they were talking about very sensitive boat information. So I'm like, maybe he's like, like, maybe he knows and he's setting her up and then nothing ever came of it. And I was like, darn. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. Okay. I wonder if it was... Because I think she did a good job of humanizing some of the villains while still not letting them off the hook. Yeah, that's true. Like that scene where um, Elle walks in and Susie's mother is like smacking her <laughs> and telling her she's a hoe. Um, and she's just kind of sitting there. You it, you get why Susie is the way she is, yeah. but at no point did they ever say Susie was forgivable for the things that she did. Yeah. And like a couple of times, I think even Malcolm expresses his regret at having to like use her as a pawn like mm-hmm. in, like in taking his irritation out on her even though i was like i was holy time the whole time i was thinking like no she deserves it i was like malcolm you were acting I, much I, more graciously than, than what it's <laughs> right. even called for so and then she turns on him 
and she has that whole interesting spiel like so she so there's this big ball they're holding to try and like bring all the like high-ranking southern men together so they can talk about ways to to forward the cause of the war and so like Susie gets Malcolm alone in a room and she wants she's straight up I kind of did appreciate how sexually progressive (laughs) Susie was throughout the entire book Susie she was not afraid to like say yeah I like she was like I guess what Molly was looking for (laughs) (laughs) I mean she straight up says she's like why you think all these other she was she sounded like um like Trina she was like all these other bitches are hungry but I'm eating what you think that is Malcolm I was like, damn, Susie, you got a point. <laughs> she was, like, not shy about it at all. So she quarters him in a room, and she's basically like, I-, I want this, and he refuses her. And so she cries. She cries and accuses him of being a northerner who is trying to, one, take advantage of her, and then throw over the Confederacy. And so he gets locked away in a basement. And while she's saying during all that, she has that whole little spiel about how, like, men have been taking things from women for time memoriam. And so I thought that, like, yeah, even Susie gets even Susie gets some well-placed truth bombs. So <laughs> she did suck, though. She, she was really irritating. And it's like every time she called someone a darkie, I was just like, <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, my God. So uh, she, um, this book reminded me. So I've been watching Underground. I finally caught up. The last episode mm. legitimately hurt my feelings. I keep saying that. I was like, oh, I should watch Underground. I see all these people cry, and I'm like, oh, you, no. I said this many episodes. You need to watch Underground. Like, it's not only not only because of the subject matter, but, like, the writing is so well done. Every time I watch it, I don't know what to expect. They do not mm-hmm. let you think. I guess this is probably, like, what Game of Thrones is. They do not let you, like, no one is safe. They do not let you get comfortable with, like, this is what's happening, and everyone's safe now, and, like, we're going to, like, and you're not protected from anything, like, it's real and it's really intense and it causes me a lot of anxiety but um uh, mainly like so i guess i appreciate them you like you get used to some of this words because in underground like everyone is always called a nigger and i'm like oh. so i do appreciate not having the full end bomb dropped in this book i'll take if i have to trade i'll take darkie over yeah but it sounded so bad hearing it, it really does. <laughs> she was like oh these darkies i was like oh shit like you would have think we tar- we sentenced these darkies to die the way they act around here. Oh my god, I was like at the gym when I listen- was listening to that. I was like, I gotta stop for a second. I gotta turn something else. I on. know. So like, but I also appreciate that it doesn't back away from like. I mean, this isn't as yeah. explicit as Kindred was, but it's still no. like this is the reality. And I do also yeah. appreciate that that it. I mean, it is still trying to be romance. I think at the end of the day, is still trying to be like there's like a level of optimism throughout the way everything is portrayed from like the romance to the worlds they they exist in so even if bad things are happening there's always the hope that it won't be too bad so i think that we were also kind of protected by the genre we were reading it wasn't gonna probably like it wasn't kindred like people weren't like getting beaten to death we don't we don't need to be shocked so Susie, i like i'm glad you mentioned the smack scene that scene stayed with me but that also yeah. reminded me of Underground because there's like a scene that that whole that's very same like logic is used in that show. Like one of the characters who's an abolitionist is talking to her sister in law who owns slaves, and she's like, the woman is whining about all the work she had to do to prepare for this ball and about how it's like the Northerners don't understand a hard day work, and like the abolitionist turns to her and says like, so tell me how long did it take you to bake that cake you're serving or like to right. wash those clothes you're wearing. So I appreciate that that has been repeated too. 
So, I don't know. I really, I just really like this book, and I feel like overly, like maybe I'm <laughs> overly infatuated. But I mean, like, yeah. this is like probably exactly what I'm looking for. And it's really hard. There's not a lot of it. It's like Beverly Jenkins, who I said I love, but her stories do frustrate me. And like, oh, can I say that you actually continue confusion? <laughs> Go ahead. So, um, uh, did y'all have me trying to read, um, forbidden. forbidden and I think I got like right past the part where she was walking through the desert. And like I said, a bird flew past my window and I was like, look at that bird. And I just never came back to it. Um, again, not a bad book, but I, I think just like the build up, the tension, I was just like, romance is not Molly's cup of tea is what we're, we're saying. I'm just saying, just fuck already. <laughs> This episode is rated E for explicit. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm trying to get that explicit tag. <laughs> it'll, it'll be on uh, this one. <laughs> so then, um, uh, you know, we were talking in our last full-length episode about the next book we were going to read. And I think you said, like, oh, um, uh, now what is the name? Breathless is on sale or something and I was like oh shit well I better get it because that's the next book <laughs> so I go online and I see the cover and I'm like that cover looks kind of familiar and I buy it and then like I pick it up and I was like wait this isn't the right book <laughs> so then I you know go and get the other book and then um so I turned in a book on audible that I didn't like to get the audio version of an extraordinary union because it had such a quick turnaround time and the whole time I was picturing the breathless cover. With the black so like, male lead. With the black male lead. And I was like, uh, the whole time, you know, she's talking about this, uh, you know, she sees the uh, the Scottish guy, Malcolm, and she's like talking about, I forget if he has blue eyes or, you know, all these features and stuff. And I was like, well, I wonder if he's passing. And then she's like, oh, he has a Scottish <laughs> accent. I was like, okay, well, I guess he's a white guy. I was like, and, you know, they're doing all this stuff. And, you know, they have all the tension. And I'm like, well, obviously she doesn't get with him because she gets with that guy from the cover. And then I think I told Danielle, she's like, that's the breathless cover. I was like, oh, you're right. Molly's introduction to romance has been really confusing. It's been, I've been confused. <laughs> I will say that I really, really like the cover for an extraordinary. Yeah, this is a really pretty cover, and I think it was you who retweeted. So there's a sequel coming out with mm-hmm. Malcolm's brother, who, when we left, mm-hmm. was in a Confederate prison. Yeah, and he's like, "I'm cool. Don't worry about me." <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like, well, he obviously will be because we get another book. So, and so it's right. another. And I, from what I heard, like the cover for that one has been released, so it looks really yes. pretty too. So, yeah, and romance covers have a way of going. <laughs> Of getting really wonky really fast. So I really appreciate <laughs> these. But like like I said, this book is like, I like historical fiction. And I like historical romance fiction in particular. And I also like stories with black people in it. So it can be really hard to find a Venn diagram, like find something in the middle of that Venn diagram that sort of mm-hmm. fits. So I'm really glad that this book was written and that more is being written. And I would just like to see more of it being written. So I'm really glad we picked it. If you like romance, I would definitely say read it because... Yeah, even if you're if you're new to romance, I would say, or if you're like on the fence, I would say give this a try because there's a lot. Like I said, I really liked all the spy stuff. I really liked, you know, the going back and forth. I really like the historical part of it too. And I'm not, I am in no way, shape, or form a person who likes historical fiction. Oh, I love um, 
<laughs> but it was really cool to see all these different elements coming together so well. Oh, I had a question for you. What did you think uh, about all the references to other literature? Because sometimes it irks me, but then I realized that the only instance I know where that happened that really did irk me was Twilight, and you should never <laughs> use Twilight <laughs> as a basis for anything. So. I like I liked some of it. Um, I like when they were talking about the Scottish poets. I I like that probably the best example is when she brings up a uh, Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Because um, it fits the theme. Because yeah. it fits the theme. When she kept uh, like referencing uh, what's his Shenzhou. name? Shenzhou. Shenzhou. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and Malcolm kind of calls her out on that. She he's like, so you're you think of our relationship as an act of war. And I do like her comeback. She was like, hell yeah, fool. <laughs> she, so. I, I don't, I don't know. I did not pick this up the first time I read it. She is like, she, she's really like, not hard headed, not stubborn. I don't know what I'm trying to say. She's like, I don't want to say sassy because that's a loaded word, but like, yeah. she does not give him an inch. Like he has to no. really struggle to get any sort of like connection because she like, she cuts him down multiple times and he keeps coming. So... Mm. Yeah, she is extremely stubborn, which is fine. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. She, and like, when you read it, it's like she's surprisingly funny. I can't find the line she where she, what you said, but basically she's like, in a perfect world, we had, like, he's like, in a perfect world, we could be together. And she's like, in a perfect world, we never would have met. So it's like, and I don't know, I that like, could be, damn. she's like, she gives him, she's the opposite of like the really cliche bad heroine who sort of, she doesn't really need him, but at the same time, she's not. She is kind of mean about it, but she's not to the point of stubbornness that where it gets frustrating, I don't think. Yeah. So, uh, if I have to read one more thing about President Davis, it's like reading about <laughs> President Trump, like, illeg- not my, uh, hashtag not my president. I don't think I've ever called that fool president. I don't think I have either. So, oh, there was a very big scene. I really did like, let's talk about the ending where like, <laughs> everything sort of goes to pot. Because, like, what, what did you think of the whole way it concluded? Okay. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? I am sitting. <laughs> I didn't finish it. <gasps> Molly! <laughs> <laughs> so you just can't do romance. <laughs> I had about 35 minutes left on the Audible. Oh, well, you're mostly there. <laughs> I'm mostly there. And so I went back and I, I made sure that I read the last chapter and I skimmed the two chapters Everything from when um, Susie caught him in his trap to when he gets shot, I was kind of skimming. Yeah. So basically what happens is, like, she catches him, he gets put in a basement, Rufus comes and roughs him up. Rufus was hilarious. <laughs> Rufus comes and roughs him up. She breaks him, she sets the house on fire and breaks him out. And then when they're climbing on the boat, it's, like, not funny, but it sort of is. They're climbing on the boat. He's still in his uniform, the gray rebel uniform. Though all uh-huh. the black people have climbed on, because it's her and some other house slaves. They've climbed on the ship. He climbs on. Out of nowhere, this guy shouts, it's a rebel sh- soldier, and shoots him. And he falls off the boat. And I was like, hmm. I appreciate it, but at the same time, it was a little... That was intense. Yeah. Oh, I guess I didn't miss that much then. Yeah, I think you probably just missed like, the very like happily ever after. And like they go and visit his mother. Well, I read that, the whole part where they're there, and then they get the letter from Ewan, yeah. and he's like, not to alarm you, but... And he's like, one time he broke his arm and didn't tell us for ten days. Oh, yeah. 
So, and I, and I should have realized there was going to be a sequel when they included that because it's kind of a, it's, the relationship ends sort of hopeful, but the story and the conflict does not. Like, yeah. his brother is in jail, they're hugging, and everyone's really sad. I've read plenty of romances, and usually romances end with like, ooh, I love you, and like maybe there's a baby, and, or like they just built a house, but it's usually a lot more up. This one was sort of mm. subdued in kind of an but probably more realistic. Yeah. So, poor thing. I have a question for you, because this will uh-huh. mean a lot to me. Did you like this one more than We Love You, Charlie Freeman? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was, it was just a better book than We Love You, Charlie Freeman. <laughs> poor Charlie Freeman. That monkey wasn't asshole. You know, that monkey was an asshole. <laughs> So I, I just I just really liked it. And I'm trying to think of other things to say about it that maybe people who haven't read it. As someone who doesn't read romance, was there anything that felt weird to you? Like, maybe we already touched on it. But, like, I'm used to all the tropes. I'm used to him sort of, like, like you said, being in touch with his feelings. I'm used to, like, how quickly they sort of have feelings for each other. But I don't know if I haven't been used to that stuff. Yeah, I guess maybe just the pacing like, everything that wasn't them, like, cuddling in bed seemed to be kind of rushed to get back to them cuddling in bed. <laughs> they know what you're here for. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I guess that was the only thing. But if you're saying it's, like, the, the trope and the point of the book, then I can see I can see that. Yeah, so. But, yeah, um, wow, what was I going to say? I wish, I really want to go look up the League stuff now because between this and Underground... I've been reading a lot about, like, abolitionists and resistance to slavery. And I kind of want to learn more about black efforts. Oh, Mm. so, slightly on topic, slightly off topic. John Legend was on the latest episode of Underground. And do you want to know who he played? Who did he play? Frederick Douglass. (laughs) And it completely took me out of the episode. (laughs) What? Does he... First of all... John Legend looks like the happiest man on God's green earth, like, all the time. He does! All he's the time. always smiling. All the time. And he's fairly, like, not high yellow, but he's a little, he's lighter than Mr. Frederick Douglass. He's lighter. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you guys can't just tape some afro, like, afro puffs to John Legend's head, put him in an old time. suit. And tell me this is Frederick Douglass. And tell me this is Frederick Douglass. Uh, and John Legend, I don't know that he's known for his acting. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't. It's kind of like uh, um, the whole, well, it's not, it, it's definitely not to the same magnitude. The whole um, uh, Nina Simone being played by... Oh, Zoe Saldana? Zoe Saldana. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, Zoe Saldana, nothing against you. But with the fact that they but, had to put a prosthetic nose on you to make you... And darken your skin and put the fake hair. So it's like, you don't look like her. You're not known as a singer, and to be very, like, just honest, no shade, she's not that great of an actress, so it's like, what was what was the draw? I think I've only seen her in Star Trek and Guardians of the Galaxy, neither of which demand a lot, a lot of acting. Like, maybe she's a better actress than the part she's gotten, but I don't, I can't think of a Zoe Saldana thing where it's been like, wow, she really knocked that out of the part to justify, like... Well, you know, she's going to go in there and just act the hell out of it, and you're not going to... Yeah. Um, so, 
I just had to share that. John Legend was Frederick Douglass. It completely took me out of the, <laughs> the moment. It was completely like, I, I was watching that. I'm like, that's freaking John Legend. I'm very aware. Like, it was like John Legend was talking to a bunch of slaves with just bad hair. So. Oh, oh, man. I gotta look up a picture of this now. Someone on Twitter. Now, who was it? Because I want to get her. Was it, was it Lock Press Books? What was it? Who said that she liked that we looked things up? Oh, yeah, up? it was. It was at Lock Press Books. And, um... And I know why he got the role, because he is the executive producer of Underground. Oh. So, like, I, it's not, like, completely out of left field, but I'm like, we could have found maybe a different character for him to play. I feel like. Yeah. So. Because, like, the yeah. person they have, the woman they hired to play Harriet Tubman is perfect. I love her. Oh, yeah. And they have a guy playing William Still, who I didn't even know about before I watched the show. He was, um, uh-huh. I don't know if he was born free or if he, um, later was later was um freed by someone else but he was um i learned a black abolitionist who i think he sent people literally through the mail oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. to um to freedom so and i love that the fact that these fictional thing these fictional stories will include real life historical people they just mm-hmm. shouldn't be played by john legend i'm sorry john legend was he was he good in the role or was it more distracting. It was. I guess you've already said it's distracting. It was kind of. First, it was distracting because he looks like John Legend. He looks nothing like Frederick Douglass, and he read his roles kind of fast. He had a very short role, so it was like almost like a walk-on cameo. Like, and now this week, Frederick Douglass. Um, but um, he kind of said his lines kind of fast, and I don't know how good of an orator Frederick Douglass was. I know he gave speeches, and I know he wrote a lot, but mm-hmm. I don't know. So it was just, it was just weird. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I could. I'm looking at a picture now, and it is a little distracting. Isn't it like he's he's so baby faced, and he's so he is he's so happy looking. I'm like, look how happy John Legend looks dressed up as dressed up as an 18th century gentleman or a 19th century it's gentleman. Like he's just having a good old time. Yeah. So it's just it was interesting. So I'm really into like this happens every once in a while. I get stuck in a time period. So oh, it yeah. looks like I am stuck in between this and the Civil War. I am stuck in. Or between this yeah. and underground, I'm stuck in the Civil War time period. So. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that, um, and it kind of made me think of just, I guess, the general topics we've been talking about since, you know, we're talking about TV and stuff. I've been watching a lot of chewing gum over the past couple of days. Have you seen that? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's like a Netflix show about this British girl um, who, like, lives in... It actually kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, swing time because she has like a mixed best friend she's black she has a mixed best friend who's got like a really like uh, <laughs> awful mom and uh, it's this girl she grew up like really religious her mother's very religious her sister that's where the gift came from um, is really religious um, and then she uh, is trying to lose her virginity um, to her boyfriend but she's just like horribly awkward. So <laughs> that sounds like a story I can relate to. <laughs> you would you would like it. It's really hilarious. She has this uh, cousin named Boy Tracy. Her name is Tracy. Mm-hmm. Like same time. Oh, and so and, he's Boy Tracy. <laughs> and he's Boy Tracy. And when they introduce him, like he just sings like the whole um, theme song to Golden Girls, and it's it's hilarious. <laughs> But it's just kind of funny how, well, it's interesting, I think, how there are all these different representations of, like, black female sexuality. Mm -hmm. 
um, that are, you know, what we're, I think probably all of us within the sound of my voice right now have always known is that, um, you know, black womanhood is very, um, well, it's varied. Mm -hmm. It has all these different things. And now that we're seeing all these, um, uh, black created, uh, narratives, we really get to, um, see that on display. So like at one end of the spectrum, you can have an extraordinary union where everything's like, you know, um, very tastefully written and you're learning a lot. And on the other end, you can have something like chewing gum where she's like dancing, like in the bathroom of Salvation Army, like trying to be sexy for a boyfriend. She throws up all over the place. So I really like that there's, you know, if maybe extraordinary union isn't your thing, that would be, or if that's not your thing, then extraordinary union could be your thing. And we, we have more options than and I think that's part of the reason I think people wanna why I like it so much. Uh-huh. Is because like yeah. there haven't been a lot of options in like this particular genre. Other like Beverly Jenkins and I read her a lot, but like sometimes you just want we shouldn't rely on one person. There's more room for more than one person to write one type of character. And it's like I think I sort of blame the publishers because I got to meet Alyssa Cole at Book Riot Live and she was sort of saying mm-hmm. about how like they just don't think there's an audience for it. Like publishers don't think there's an audience. They don't think the books will sell well. This is sort of paraphrased. I can't remember the exact words. but it, What did we say last, last bullshit. week? Bullshit. That's what we said last <laughs> week. <laughs> bullshit. And so I'm like really happy that the book's getting published. That's why I was really happy to buy it too because there. I think everyone who listens to this podcast would be like, there is an audience for stories that feature like characters of color and romance can tend to be like really white i don't know why like the black romances get sort of niched like essence has its own line of romance novels or sometimes they cross into urban fic which we all know my opinions about that so (laughs) we're gonna read another urban lit book only if we get to read another romance (laughs) (laughs) you know i honestly think we should like the second half of the year revisit the same genres that would be i think that would be interesting yeah because and like once we get into that like less hopeful less like emotions because i think really the only difference between like maybe an extraordinary union or a book like this and this could be us but you plan is like the tone and the mood like that book this could be us but you plan which is much more it was grittier. It was more cynical. It was more like the appeal of that was the triflingness. Yes. <laughs> and the appeal of this is like the the craft of the writing. Yeah. Well, and even just like the the hopeful, like we know they're going to get together. We know it's going to be, it's more optimistic. Ah, uh, so, I see. Like I was thinking about like, would this could be us, but you plan to be considered a romance? And I was like, no. Because I, yeah, I guess that's an interesting thing. Because earlier I said, "Oh, what about Outlander?" Because I saw a lot of parallels between this and Outlander. Um, but like you said, while there is a lot of sex in that book, maybe the romance part takes more place in like the the subtext. It yes, and it's more similar to the very end of this book where she has to save Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the protagonist of Outlander is showing her love for for the main um, hero of that story by saving him, by doing all these, like, acts of heroics for him. Mm-hmm. Where in this, they're showing their love for one another in this kind of more tender, gentle way. Yeah. So. 
And in this could be us, but you play. They're showing that that yeah, very physical, love for each other <laughs> in a very physical and possessive and jealous and you violent know, way. violent way. What happens? So maybe that's the difference too. What happens in this? Well, I also did it because like none of the characters were redeemable. I thought all the characters <laughs> were gross, and I don't think there was a happy ending. Like I don't know if she ever gets together with. I remember. I can't remember any of their goofy names. DeAndre <laughs> was there. DeAndre, yeah. yeah. I don't know if she... And I can't remember the main character. I already don't care. But I don't know if she ever gets with him. You can't remember the name main character's name? No. I just remember she whined it's a Dominique. lot. Dominique. Oh, that's my sister's name. Wow, that's terrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame. But, like, and I wouldn't classify that as romance because, like, and I don't... Do they get together? I don't think they get a happy ending. I don't think... I... I mean, each book ends on a cliffhanger, so <laughs> and I have not read the third book, so I don't have time for that either. It's like, okay, you got your ninety-nine cents out of me. That is all you're getting. So, so yeah, because I did. I think about like, well, is that just an urban lit romance? Because romance also has the thing where like, there's so many different subgenres within the genre. So it's like historical. Mm-hmm. There's fantasy. Like there's one with like werewolves. That I saw my I saw some about like robots yeah. and then like dinosaurs and cavemen. There is a caveman genre. I have not explored it. <laughs> like I like historical fiction, but I like it to be recorded historical recorded history. Um, I have not read the caveman, but there's like there's like there's like um fantasy, there's sci-fi, there's like NASCAR has a whole line of romance novels. There's like so really? many, yes, there's so many subgenres of romance that it's like kind of like maybe if, and maybe I don't know if Molly will do this, but if you're like, well, maybe I don't like historical romances, but maybe I'll like something that has more fantasy and like magic or something in it, which I don't, I don't, I stay away from anything with fantasy just because I don't get it. Maybe it, it's very strange. Like I was staunchly against fantasy, like. I think we talked about this in our Goodbye 2016 episode. Like, I just, I think last year was a total ano- al- anomaly for me. Because you read a lot fantasy. of fantasy last year. Yeah. So. So, I don't know. Maybe it was just a time for this year. It's going to be all genres. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't mind genre stuff. So, like I said, like, romance is probably the stuff I've read the most of. I've read it since high school. I've read a lot of ridiculous titles. <laughs> And it's like, I guess it's also what I'm just sort of used to. Like, I'm familiar. And I was just really happy when this title came out. Because, again, I have, like, that Venn diagram, and it filled uh-huh. it. So. Can I ask you, and you've kind of touched on this, why you think, like, what is it about romance that draws you in so, so hard? Well, I, well, I like the fact that things will end okay. So you're, like, sort of mm-hmm. guaranteed. I think people call, I think some people criticize it on that fact. I like the fact that. Things will end up okay. This couple should, in theory, end up together, whatever it happens. So outside of that, anything else can happen. But at the end, you should know that they should come together. I just I just like the um, the emotion and, like, the connection. And, like, I'm, I'm a sap. I like the I love oh. yous and I protect you and all that corny stuff. I don't know. It just makes me really happy to read because, oh. like, I don't like reading really negative. Like, I feel like there's so much crap. Like, I've been avoiding the news for the past two days because I literally needed a mental break. And I like the fact that you can read something and, like, have those happy, like, read something happy and positive and optimistic and, like, people loving each other and getting along and not, like, I like love. I love love, I guess, which is really corny to say. (laughs) No, that's adorable. (laughs) 
So yeah, so that's like my thing. And like the sex, like I actually don't read. I was thinking I don't read stuff with like that much explicit sex. Cause for me, it's more the emotions and less the. I mean, I also don't like reading YA because there is no sex. So it's like I'm not. I don't like the other way either. So you're like, so what am I here for? Exactly. Because like on YA, like the biggest thing will be, oh, we held hands or we kissed. And I'm like, I don't have time for this childishness. So <laughs> like, I appreciate the sex is there because it is like a, like as in a relationship, it's like a big, it's like a, uh, I don't want to say a climax. I'm trying to avoid that word. It's like a landmark or like a, it represents a change in the nature of the relationship. So I do appreciate it being there. Uh-huh. But I'm like, I'm not reading it solely. Cause like, I don't read a lot of erotica. I think if uh-huh. people who read erotica are there solely for the sex. I'm like, I'm not judging yeah. that. It's just not what I read. So I don't know. It's just, it makes me happy, I guess. Okay. No, I get that. <laughs> I'm corny. I'm also Yo. a girl who really likes Disney movies. So I think we've got me typed. <laughs> hey, that's why you could go work for BuzzFeed. I'm, tr- I'm trying to work for Disney. Give me a job, oh, Walt yeah. Disney. Or Sesame hey, Street. Disney. I, there's a guy at my job, there's a guy at my office, he's like, I feel really bad for him because anytime something bad happens and it's like racist or has to do with diversity, they call him. So he's like, am I, he's like, he's like the chief black correspondent, but um, he had a daughter and his daughter like, what, did the social media accounts for um, the children's television workshop. And I'm like, that's awesome. Oh, wow. It's edu- like, it's promoting education and literacy and all my buttons and it's social media. I love all that stuff. That's so, cool. So, yeah, I think... I don't know if people will quite know the reference, um, but Danielle and I in college took a, like, American history at Disney class. Yes. And it was, like, at 7.30 in the morning. It was so awful. I don't know why we did that. And that was my last semester, no too. So, you Yeah, to it was know. rough. Um, but then uh, we watched, like, all these really old Disney films in it. I know. And, like, they would say, oh, from the vault. And every time, like, a particularly racist one would come on. They had this guy, like, come and explain how, oh, it was a different time, and don't hate us. So what do we call him? We call him, like, racism man or something. <laughs> yeah, the PSA racism man, yeah. He was yeah, basically so there to, like, kind of comfort you, like, look, there's some, like, Mickey Mouse is going to have some blackface, but we want you to know he's changed. It's like, you know, that was a different Mickey, it was a different time, and... <laughs> It was funny. It's, so. It was funny. It's like, you like anytime you watch a show with like surgery or like extreme violence and like that, it came up every time. This was not a one time. Yeah. Let's cover the whole semester. Every short we watched that had any kind of shadiness in it. This guy was up there to like, let us know some shit's about to happen, but don't worry. We don't do it anymore. It was it's the forties. Like it was the forties. We've learned our lesson. I still was shaking my head. I don't care. We watched song of the <laughs> South, I think. And I think for all the stuff about Song of the South, it was just really boring. Do you remember that? It was very boring. Like, uh, it was just, I mean, those voices are, mm, but yeah. it was also very boring. The black, boring. It was racist and boring. Everyone was, like, a little bit too happy to be, like, formally slaves. <laughs> but for the most part, like, I don't, it was nothing, like, it was fine. It was okay. It was, like, I think the technology was interesting. I think that was the first instance of them using live action and animation together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Disney class we took was wild. I totally forgot we took that class. It was completely wild. But I knew when you said you went to Disney, then you went to a guy who they always call about racism. Yeah. And I was like, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, so I think that's a pretty good discussion. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry you weren't able to finish the last half hour. And, but I, I appreciate that you read it because I know it's not your normal pick. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's the point of the podcast, and I, I liked it. Um, I think partially, too, like, the reason I didn't finish was just because it was, like, we, you know, I bought the wrong book, and yeah. I had to wait to get the right book. We so. did have a quick turnaround. Um, I also went and bought that book, too, by the way, so. <laughs> you bought Breathless, too? Yes. I mean, I'm just saying, maybe when we revisit romance later in the year, maybe it's, like, a reason why we both have it now. Yeah, we. I mean, we do both own it. So, and when we, when Molly tweeted it, Alyssa Cole said that you should read it because that's your brain. Yes, your brain made a, a good decision. She was very sweet. That was adorable. She's surprisingly like really funny. I don't know. She has like this way of talking that's like super chill and then she'll say mm-hmm. something really funny because like at Book Riot, we played this like shipping game and it was so ridiculous. And I just remember her parents were really like off the wall, but really hilarious the way she described them. So... <laughs> She was really funny, and she gave me the arc at the book riot, and so I'm still thankful. She survived an awkward encounter with me, so she deserves all <laughs> she must be. I am not very good at pers- in person, so. What? You're great in person. I'm okay. So, I, who was, I was talking to someone last night, and we were talking about, like, I don't know why I ever thought I could be a journalist. Uh-huh. I made a, I remember I was telling her the moment I realized I couldn't was when I made a grown man cry on the phone, and I was like, nope. When did you make a grown man cry? When you um, do journalism at Mizzou, like, you work at a uh-huh. newspaper. And so, like, the very first assignment I got was, like, working the desk. And when you work the desk, you have to write featureized obits. So, basically, the funeral homes oh. send over... <laughs> the funeral homes send over the obituaries. And so, the, what they want you to do is, like, try and contact the family. And so, uh-huh. this was the very... This was day one of the semester. I'm the very first... <laughs> my very first... Of my very first, like, legit... We are now doing journalism class, and they send over this obit. The woman was only 55. She died suddenly of, like, a heart attack. I am, like, not a very good emotional... Like, I am not an emotionally warm person. I do not know how to comfort people. If you are crying, do not come to me, because I'll just stand there, like, (laughs) awkwardly patting you on the back. that's kind of interesting, because I feel like, um, for me, if someone's crying, I'm automatically going to cry. Like, people are always coming to me to share their feelings. And it's interesting that you like that in a book, <laughs> but and I find it uncomfortable. Yeah, but don't bring it to me in real life, because I don't know what to interesting. do. Interesting. Keep going. Sorry, but yeah, sorry. so they had me handle this, and, like, I'm sure, like, could you imagine your wife has just passed away? It's been maybe a few days, because you haven't even had the funeral yet. This... 19 year old from Mizzou from the university calls you and starts asking you information about her to write this story and she's like I'm sure I fumbled and bumbled it I am not the most especially over the phone where I can't rely on like body language to say like I am uh, listening and I do want to try that's, and be that's a really difficult and like day one assignment it, it was really <laughs> difficult and he started like crying and then because I wanted to like Say I did my due diligence. I tried calling the daughter, maybe thinking maybe I could be like a little kinder. She started crying. So I like I had this morning where I made two grown people break yeah. down crying on the phone. I felt like the biggest asshole. And I was like, you know, maybe journalism is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I had that moment. But I continued with the degree anyway. So, but yeah. So no, I mean, I, I don't miss the irony that I am emotionally awkward in real life, but will read the like read books about it i don't know what that says mm-hmm. about me maybe someone out there who knows psychology can tell me what that means about me <laughs> yeah write in if you know <laughs> well i don't think you're i don't think you're heartless so i don't so i don't maybe it means nothing maybe it just means this is a book because i don't think despite your dislike for the feelings <laughs> that you're an unfeeling person yeah yeah i don't, I don't know like i you know, people, so I work at a nonprofit and people at my work cry 
at least once a week. Mm-mm. And Can't if it's in the it. vicinity of me, I'm crying too. <laughs> and then after, like, literally, we had a meeting, Danielle, where um, someone was so happy she started crying. Aww. And then I was, like, I'm PMSing. And then we all ate chocolate. <laughs> and my boss got and got his ice cream. And, like, everyone was, it was, like, the best part of my week last week. Aw, that sounds really <laughs> sweet, though. And it's not that I'm so. not sympathetic to people crying. It's just, like... I don't, like, I cannot provide you any comfort because I don't know what to say to make you feel better. So, mm. I do cry at, like, movies and stuff. Yeah, I'll cry at commercials. You, I'll cry at gifts. I don't care. Have you seen Psych? I ha- No, you've, ah. you've, this is like a, so Danielle said recently that we've known each other 10 years, and so this is probably like a 10-year, um. It really bothers me that we've known each other that long. Project. <laughs> Have I asked you this so multiple you times tra- and not realized it? Multiple times. <laughs> well, but there's like a character name. Psych is really fun. It's basically a show where the guy is just, he, like Elle, has photographic memory. And so mm. in the very pilot episode, he's able to solve the case just by watching. He has a photographic memory and he's ultra observant. So he's able to solve the case just by watching the news footage. But then they call him in thinking he had connections to the case. So uh. like he gets out of it by claiming to be a psychic. It's like, <laughs> then he has to keep up the charade. So he has on this friend named Gus, and he's, like, the the trope of, like, the nerdy black guy. And he has this uh-huh. recurring line where anytime anyone else cries, he starts sniffling up. And he goes, like, you know I'm a sympathetic crier, Sean. Leave me alone. So I always think that. Like, if someone else starts crying, I can cry, too. I didn't realize I had asked you about Psych before. Many, many, many nice. times you've tried to get me to watch Psych. But I just, I, I haven't had access to it. I don't think it's on Netflix or anything. It was. They took it off recently. So, uh, speak. I do want to bring this up before we finish the conversation. I thought it was funny. Like Molly tweeted me that she was mad that the main character didn't recognize the guy, even though she has a perfect memory. <laughs> because I guess in the very, it's the prologue. They have a run-in in Baltimore. I'm mixing up my. I've watched too many things with too many northern cities. I think it's Baltimore, <laughs> and they have a run-in, and he sort of like saves her. He like. She gets like hit with something like a glass. Or she something. gets hit with a. I thought she got hit with a brick in the neck, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> something happens and she gets hit hard and he's like bleeding and goes down and so he, he picks her up and takes her to a to a doctor who treats black people and like she doesn't remember him. But uh, to be fair, there are different types of photographic memory. Uh huh. Because like she seemed to only be able to recall like things she had read or conversations she'd heard. Right. So that's I, true. I will give her that out. She didn't say she was great at faces. He, and he true. also had a beard, so. <laughs> I He was like a longshoreman for some reason. He was, he was like some dock worker with a German accent. With a German accent, yeah. yeah. Like, he's just, he's all over the place, so. See, it's fate. Meant to be together. Yeah, Thank you, book. that's true. Thank you, Buck. <laughs> so, what are you currently reading? Okay, so, um, recently... I think we asked, I think it was last weekend, maybe, we asked people what they were reading, um, and we got this suggestion, Hannah Mary Tabs and the Disembodied Torso, A Tale of Race, Sex, and Violence in America, and let me see if I can find who that was. If I can't, then I'll go go to you and then pick it up, but um, so I said I was going to get it on interlibrary loan, and I just got the notification today that they have it, so I'm going to go and get that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I remember that. We did that, and everyone was reading, like these really impressive, like, history and studies of, like, Reconstructionist era of, like, that was the Reconstructionist era of Philadelphia one, or no? Mm-hmm. It was just really, I was impressed by all of you. You all were wearing, were reading super impressive things. <laughs> I started Breathless, 
So, like, surprise, okay, surprise. Okay, how are you liking it? I'm a, little, <laughs> I'm a little... It takes place, like, 15 years in the... 15 years after Forbidden. So I'm, like, still kind of adjusting. But mm-hmm. I'm only, like, three chapters in. But I am kind of, like... <laughs> So, like, in the very first chapter, spoiler alert, they all get ran out of town by a lynch mob. And I'm like, but we spent this whole book (laughs) meeting all these characters and people, and now none of them will come back because we had to go to a whole new town because a lynch mob chased us out of town. Because in the first book, he's passing for white, and then he, like, outs himself, I guess. And then I guess, you know, white people be white peopling, and they're not happy about that. And so they storm his house, and they have to leave town. And I'm like, but all the characters we've made and all the friends I've made, now we're leaving them. So Yeah, because I think I remember you saying, like, that was one of the things I was like, wow, we're going into a lot of backstory for all these people. And you say, oh, in um, um, romance, sometimes they'll do that, and then that's how you build the series. And we do see it here. Um, You know, he talks about you in a lot. Malcolm does. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I said here and I padded the book like you guys could see <laughs> what I was talking about. Um, but yes, we saw that exact same thing. So it's interesting, like you said, that they get run out of it. It's like, and I was like, okay, um, I'll go with it. I mean, that's life sometimes. I mean, maybe she um, wanted to do that. She's like, oh, fuck it. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> maybe. And like, she can. That's fine. It yeah. was just kind of jarring that I thought we'd spend... Like, because I read that book, and I was like, oh, I know all these people now. And then we go to the next one, and it's like, forget them. We're done with them. <laughs> We're going to this new town. And it's going to be 15 years in the future, too, so you're going to be all disoriented. But it's fine. <laughs> um, it's going well so far. I'm also really embarrassed that I am still reading Exit West. <laughs> this book is only 240 pages. 240 double-spaced <laughs> size 12 font pages but because I like put it down and pick it up again like a week later it's taken like three weeks I'm gonna finish it today it's very pretty I highly recommend it it's very relevant to what's happening it's basically um surprise surprise it was it's about it's a love story too so but it's um it's literature fiction so it's not romance and basically what the story is um we have this young couple who live in I think it's supposed to be more Rocco? They don't actually say. They are in an area that is being um, besieged by civil war. So, like, militants take over and the government is fighting them. So it reminds me of Syria, to be perfectly honest. And um, they're trying to escape the town, and they escape through these magical doors. So it has, like, magical realism in it. Mm-hmm. And the doors sort of become um, a symbol for, like, immigration and refugees because what happens is governments start monitoring the doors. Um, the doors to places that are, like, really poor and dangerous are not guarded whereas doors to places like the United States or Germany are heavily guarded and people are um, protesting against the people who travel through the doors and build up these towns mm-hmm. so it's basically just a big analogy for like the refugee for refugees and immigration and it's really pretty so it's about their relationship as these lovers who are trying to find escape but it's not it's not a romance because their relationship is not the emphasis of the book it's their experience going through the doors and the way they are treated as refugees with some magical yeah. with some magical realism thrown in because they get out via doors. Yeah. Well, can I say that can I say this on your uh, that was um I got that in my uh my lip box this month. <gasps> you got it in my lip box. I did get one and uh yeah so that was a pick so I just came and I was like this sounds really good. Yes. I'm glad that you liked it. Yes it's and it's just it's probably I haven't read like 
gone back to literary fiction. It's the prose is very. It reminds me of another Brooklyn, and the way he writes. Uh, so it's very the prose is. It's also I've noticed like when the prose is really really good, they tend to be shorter. I guess it's hard to yeah. maintain that for a long. For a long like for a very long period. Yeah, so it's very pretty, and it's like also really heartbreaking though. But I think it's very relevant, and I can't recommend it enough. I think people should read it. Oh, okay. I'm gonna have to get on that. Yeah. Um, I will say that the person who recommended the Hannah Mary Tapps book is Shauna Miles at SR Miles Author on Twitter. Yeah. So shout out to her. Took me a second. (laughs) Shout out. Are there any other shout outs that we want to do? People have been really like hitting us up. The author herself, I don't know if we straight up acknowledge it, but she retweeted us a lot. Mm -hmm. At Alyssa Cole Lit. So I really, we really appreciate that. And we got like a lot of retweets and hits, so hopefully that means we get a lot of listeners on this episode. Yeah. So I know. Let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Love Nisia said that she wants to read along with us. So hopefully you've got in. <laughs> you've got in there if you're listening to this now. And if not, I mean, we're not. This episode isn't going anywhere. It's not gonna yeah. go anywhere. You can take your time and read it when you're ready. So, but yeah, yeah. it's been it's been a good week on Twitter. I think so. Our our um black our whitewashed episode was posted last Wednesday, so we just sort mm-hmm. of talk about. I'm gonna call her Blackface Becky now. That's my new name for her. Yeah, I, I lo- <laughs> oh my god, I laughed so hard when I saw that. Blackface Becky, aka Rachel Dolezal, or whatever, whatever her new name, aka whatever her, her Nigerian name is. Um, and we talk about like whitewashing of media, specifically book covers. So mm-hmm. um, Nettie Okorafor recently had a book cover that was whitewashed. So. And yeah, they need to they need to quit with that mess. They need to stop, like just stop. Yeah. So you can go listen to that one or any other episode. Um, I think that's it. I think what did was our pick? I think we sort of decided we had picked a different book, but I think we uh-huh. had said we were going to read YA next. And I think considering all the buzz, we had thought about reading The Hate You Give. Yeah, I've only seen like really really good things about yeah. it. Yeah. So, and I think it's also especially relevant. Following, following right? Pepsi's attempts. To- oh my god! I can't believe we. Oh my god! That was stupid. I was like, as someone who works in marketing, I know like the like this didn't just happen. They didn't just like send out an email and like everyone came together to shoot this real quick. This took some time. This took some. This work took shopping. some time, and they had a fucking plan because they said, uh, "Oh, we're gonna pull the rest of." They were gonna do a whole fucking campaign, oh, like. God. Uh, join the conversation like that was going to be a whole i guarantee you that was going to be a whole thing that they had to rush and pull yeah and it was just so tone deaf so i will say this though like i guess i don't know whether or not on the one hand i appreciate that pepsi thought for some reason they should be taking part in this conversation on the other hand they forgot that they were a brand and that it really wasn't their place. This is a problem with brands. As, I'm going to get all marketing for you for a second. Brands are not people. They don't need to respond to things. Like nothing pisses me off more when it's like, like 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11 or something tragic happens and you've got like, not Skittles because they famously didn't do this, but like Papa John saying like, we remember 9-11. Papa John's, nobody cares what you have to say about yeah. that. You are not a person. You are a capitalist, uh, you are a capitalist, uh, a thing that exists just to sell people pizza. We don't care. But every year, brands feel like they have to take part in these conversations on these really heavy topics, and they just never but do it I feel well. Like 
I feel like they weren't even taking a part in any conversation. They were just like, oh, the image of young people out here. Like, they see black people, they see Latino people, like, protesting and, like, all the... They see, like, I don't want to say the glamour of it, but, like, they see the Instagram pictures, they see, like, Nettie out here, they see... DeRay in his vest, and they're like, that looks cool. Yeah, they're just... Like, I want that to be mine. And for them to take a Kardashian, or, you know, um... Who said nothing about any of this personally. (laughs) Who has said nothing, but who... Like, their their aesthetic is taking things from Black culture as non-Black people and making them palpable. Yeah. So for them to have this girl who's known to take thing, her family's known to have gotten rich from taking from black people, and you're taking, like, the glossy side of the black struggle to sell your Pepsi, it's like, you couldn't have gotten It couldn't have been more worse. Wrong. Right. But, of course, then Nivea came out with that white is pure. <laughs> and it was like... And somewhere, so Pepsi ad, was, Pepsi ad exec was like, woo! Yep. not just us fucking up so yeah so I yep. think that'll be The Hit You Give by Angie Thomas I have it written down on the outline um yes Angie Thomas um it's supposed to read thug cause you is spelled you so I think yes. that'll be really relevant have you seen all the stuff Suge Knight is now saying Suge Knight yeah about like, um famous Biggie Smalls Tupac killer Suge Knight yes so he's co- cause you know The Hit You Give comes from comes from Tupac and so she, and, I did not realize that he had opinions on this. Please share. Yeah, so, you know, he had that tattoo on his belly that said, uh, thug life. Uh, okay. And so later he said, oh, what is it? The hate you, you give little, let me see, little infants. Oh, fucks it has a whole. Everyone. Oh. Uh, huh. So Suge Knight is not feeling the fact that this book is titled that? No, no, he's oh. just so. I have a friend who's really very convinced that um, Tupac is still uh, alive. Tupac, like, she's very convinced, and I know that you're listening to this, so I'm talking to you directly right now. Um, so I just thought it was funny that, you know, this book comes out, it gets really popular, and then uh, what's Dave sticks his head out, and he's like, that bullet was really for me. It's like, what are you talking about? I thought he had feelings about the fact that this book was titled The Hate You Give, and I was like, really? I didn't, didn't think he He might, out. shit. <laughs> So, uh, so I think that's it. We will be doing another bonus episode, and I think we decided to keep it. And I'm really glad Molly picked this one because I already know what I'm going to talk about because I have a lot of warm feelings for this book. But we want to hear what was the first book that you loved? Yeah, like the first book that you like read, and it really goes with our theme of love. But the first book that you loved and like was really your favorite book. So I already know which one yeah. I'm going to say. What? <laughs> What made you this way? Yeah. What made you into a person who would listen to two people ram- rambling about books for, like, more than an hour? Yes. So, we will share that question on Twitter. We will post it a couple times. Um, and so, I think that's it for today. As always, yeah. we would appreciate if you would listen, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. We are also on Twitter at Black Chick Lit. Mm-hmm. And Instagram at BCL Podcast. Yes, and I want to say shout out to Danielle for like refreshing our website. It's really pretty. Oh <laughs> yeah. So we need some we need some like actual photography. I'm like this website says bare. We need photos of things. <laughs> and let me tell you, it is not easy to find stock art of black women reading. I'm like I'm gonna do a whole series. Like, <laughs> I don't know just, why. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like just get a woman with a book 
It's not that hard. Or even I was like, okay, what about somebody with some headphones on? Like she's listening to a podcast. It's like, no, can't find anything. So, and I don't want to just steal something I found on the internet. So, wah, wah. Alrighty. Thanks guys. I think that's it for this week. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening guys. And we will see you in two weeks for our bonus episode. Is it two weeks? Is it two weeks? I I think, no. We'll see you soon. I think we record next week, but then it goes up. I I don't know. You'll see us. (laughs) We're... We're, we'll be around we'll be around thanks guys like look out on the street we'll be there <laughs> look over us in the library we'll be there we on twitter hit us up we're around <laughs> bye guys